are blue and it's a happy day when it's more like today and it's raining and it's dark but it's a happy day amen because Jesus has washed our sins away well good morning everybody and welcome to church it's so good to be here with you this morning as we continue in our worship I want to remind ourselves of the series that we're in right now about humbling ourselves and the Bible says that when we humble ourselves, that God will lift us up. It says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I want to position ourselves this morning just with a, a heart of worship and a heart of humility. Because it's only when we humble ourselves can the Spirit of God come and move on your life. Can the Spirit of God come and bring true change to our lives? Amen. So let's worship, let's humble ourselves, and let's just give God praise this morning.
Show us your 
good. You may be seated. I am so glad that Jesus changes everything. Welcome to all of you today. Welcome to those who are joining with us online as well today. So good to see all of you. Want to remind the youth that they will be having youth services tonight in the youth building, 5 to 7. We're also going to feed them pizza so parents, you don't have to worry about dinner. Just make sure they come out. They're going to have an awesome time as they do every time that they meet together. So you tonight, 5 to 7. Our missions offering focus today is going to be for Bernie Moore Ministries for their upcoming gospel crusade at the end of next month in Africa. We started out the new year last week sowing into Bible distribution, and today we want to sow into this gospel campaign that will bring the gospel to hundreds of thousands of people that have never heard. Last year in 2022, Bernie Moore Ministries did three major gospel crusades in Africa with over a half a million people in attendance. And they're expecting the same for 2023. But of course, expenses have gone up in this day and time, and it takes more to put on a gospel crusade, a major undertaking. But when hundreds of thousands of people come to know the Lord and hear the gospel for the first time, what an awesome, awesome soil and ministry to sow into. So ushers, you come this morning as we receive our morning missions offering. Let's stand. Let's bring our offering forward in faith this morning. Greet one another.
Testing one. There it is. Hey, I know it's my fault, 100%. I don't think I had it on, Mike. My bad. Don't you love to start a service like that? Amen. Just major distraction. Praise God. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. And I am here today, literally, as I stand before you to humble myself, to, to acknowledge before the Lord that I need His direction, His understanding, I need His strength. I need his hope that he brings to me. I need everything, amen, that God provides. Is anybody else in the house with me? I need to humble myself before the Lord. We are here to be changed, to be changed, which is actually the series that we are beginning now in this season, and uh, the, the, the subject of humility will fall under the series of change. Let's put that picture up, change. You already got it up there for me. And you'll understand a, little bit uh, understand a little bit more later on, but I want to go to the Lord in prayer before we begin today and ask God to just direct us and navigate us through this message today. Father, I speak blessing upon every heart, upon every soul, Lord. Today, Father, whether they're in the room, whether they're listening, maybe they're first-time guests online, I pray that the anointing of the Lord would speak to them today, Father God. We do not want to just join together because it's Sunday morning. Right now, we shake ourselves, we get our minds straight, and we are coming today presenting ourselves on purpose so that, Father, you can glorify yourself in all of our lives. And all God's people said, amen. If you were to go around the room today and ask the question, do you want to change? Do you want to change anything about your life? I would say probably every single one of us would say, yes, there's some things about my life that I want to change. If you would go out in public right now in a restaurant that's open or maybe Walmart or someplace like that, a grocery store, and just walk up to somebody and said, hey, do you want to change anything about your life? If they were honest with you, I would say probably 100% would say, Absolutely, I want to change some things about my life. If you were to go into some drug house somewhere and people that you view are so out there and have no concern of God in their life for God in their life and would say, Hey, listen to me, would you like to change this lifestyle that you're living? Probably a hundred percent of them also would say, Yes, I hate what I've become. I don't like the existence that I'm living now, for that person out there today that says, you know, I wouldn't change anything. We're all going to pray for you because you're obviously absolutely deceived, amen, about your life. All of us want to change some things. Even the apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul in Romans 7, you see this frustration of a believer who says, you know what? He says, what I want to do I don't end up doing. <laughs> and what I want to do, what I don't want to do, I end up doing. How many of you know Paul's frustration? And you know, in our language today, we would say, as we look ourselves in the mirror every now and then and go, what's up with you? Right? Why do you do what you do? Why can't you just get it? Why can't, why aren't you further along right now in your life with the Lord? All of us feel that way. You're in a room with a lot of other people who know they need to change, and they want to change. And you know, beyond all of that, 
Even if you don't see your need to change, even if you don't want to change, God wants you to change. God is expecting change in our lives. He is wanting us to grow, to develop, and to mature. Hebrews 5.12 says it this way, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are all like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. I wonder if you look at the church world today, how many of us in, sitting in churches right now would have to say that about their self? I should be teaching others, and still I have to go through the same old stuff, and somebody's got to pull me out of the ditch again and again. I ought to be further along. Most of us would probably say that would apply to their lives. We live in a culture today when we are trying so hard not to put pressure on ourselves and not to put pressure on, on anybody else. In fact, people won't endure when you put pressure on them. They won't have it in their life. And we have this culture today that says, no worries, man. No worries. Hey, no worries. And we have this culture today that goes, you know what? It is what it is. And so, you know what? There's nothing we need to get stressed over. And I don't say get stressed over things, but I want to tell you, God is wanting you to change and he's wanting me to change. And he's not wanting you to worry about it, but he is wanting you to engage him on it because he is wanting to transform every single one of us. Can I get a witness in the house today? Because Luke 13 says this, and he spoke this parable a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years, I came to you in 2020, 21, 22, I was looking for some change in your life, seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why did it use up the ground? But Jesus says, but he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year. Let it alone for 2023 until I dig around it and fertilize it. Stay right there until I dig around it and provoke you to change. Stir up your circumstances. Let you see your needs. Stir it up. Dig it up. And then pour some spirit on it. Pour some word on it. And if it bears fruit, next verse well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. What I'm saying to you is not that God's going to cut you down this year because you're not changing up, but I want you to understand that God expects you and he expects me to change. Can I get a witness right now in the house? Amen. He wants us to change. He wants us to change. John 15, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. The New King James says every, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he cuts down. Now, I want to tell you something. I've heard a lot of preaching over the years. I've preached a lot over the years. I've read the Bible a lot. And when I read something like that, I still don't know the theology. I'm not convinced 100% of, that I know what he's saying there. Every branch of mine, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I'm going to cut it down. And so, you know, should we have this no worries, it is what it is mentality? Probably not. No, 
Keep reading, and it says, And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. And so listen, everybody's going to come under the knife. Everybody's got to go through some changes. If I don't produce fruit, and I don't want to produce fruit in my life, ultimately I get cut down. I don't understand at all. But if I do bear fruit, and I am a Christian, I am a true believer, there are some dead things in my life that don't bring glory to God. There's attitudes, there's actions, there's behaviors, there's things in my life that are not bringing glory to God. And guess what he's going to do? He's going he's to cut them away. He's going to prune that stuff out of my life. He wants me to change so that I can bring greater glory to him. In the seven letters to the seven churches, Jesus walks among the churches. He walks among the candlesticks. He walks among the churches, those people who are to bring light to the world. He's walking among them and he's inspecting them. And he says, you know what? That's good. That's good over there. You know what? That right there, that's really good. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That right there, that needs to change. You see that over there? That needs to be corrected. That needs to change. In the last letter, the Laodiceans, he says this. And as many as I love, I rebuke. I provoke to change. I rebuke and I chasten. That needs to be corrected. Hebrews 12 says, if we say that we belong to him and we are not partakers of, cha- of being chastened, we don't really belong to God. Jesus wanting to chasten us and change us. Therefore, be zealous and do what? Repent. Repent. What does the word repent mean anyway? It means to change. Specifically, it means to change our minds. Change the way that you're thinking. And when you change the way you're thinking, you will change your direction. When you change your direction, you're changing your ways and you're changing your destiny. But it all begins with changing what you think about things. I knew somebody one time and they were on a vacation in Florida and they were headed back home, headed north up 75 and they missed the exit to go to 10 and head, head west to 10 and all of a sudden, they said they looked up and they were in Georgia. And they went the wrong, they, they were, you know what, for all that time, though, they were conversing. You know, these were the days before GPS and they had a little paper map, but they obviously they didn't consult the map. Didn't, didn't, and the map didn't stay in touch with the map. And all of a sudden, they're seeing signs that don't look right. And in their deliberation and conversation, You know, they're trying to figure out if I'm headed the right way or the wrong way or am I headed home or not, what's going on. And all of a sudden they see a sign that says, welcome to Georgia. Well, at that point, in that moment, in that instant, they changed their mind. They got it. They realize, you know what? We are headed the wrong way. Now listen, when you change your mind, you don't keep headed the wrong direction. In fact, you're mad that you've got to go three more miles out of the way before you can make a U-turn. You want to change direction now. And when you change direction, you're headed the right way and you get your destination right. 
and you head home where you belong. Amen. Repentance, the preaching of repentance is a, is a cry for change. Turn around, change your mind, head in the right way so that you can head up or end up in the right destination. The very first time the world turned to the church and said, what must I do? The church responded back to the world in Acts 2, repent, that one word, repent, change your mind so that you can change your direction, so that you can change your way and change your destination. You're sitting there today and maybe you're going, you know what, that don't really apply to me. Listen to this in Acts 17.30. Truly these times of ignorance, God overlooked those times when you didn't have the understanding, you didn't have the revelation. But once you see the sign that God gives you that says, welcome to Georgia, he doesn't overlook it anymore. And he commands what? All men. Say that with me. He commands all men everywhere to repent. I wonder if you're included in that list. He wants everybody to change, to get saved, and then after we're saved, to continue in on that change. Now, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, and I'm not the sharpest tool in the tool shed. I'll grant that I'm not all that smart, but I'm telling you right now, I know that I know that I'm saying the right thing when I tell you that I promise you God wants to change something about you in 2023. I promise you, he wants to change something about me, something about my family, something about you, something about this church. He wants to change every single one of us. But here's the problem. How do we do it? All of you understand the frustration of knowing you need to change, but you just fall back into the same old patterns I don't even know, I thought about this, I don't even know if I've heard anyone say in recent history in my life, I'm not sure that I'm just missing conversations, but I haven't heard a New Year's resolution comment in years. Do they still talk about New Year? I'm asking you. Do they, people still talk about New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand if you heard that. You have a few of you? Well, let me just tell you something. They don't work. They don't work. When I used to be in the, the secular, I, I worked for a little while when I was in my late teens and early 20s in the office in the, in the secular world, and, and they would talk about New Year's resolutions, you know, and old Joe, I'm just making up names, old Joe, he goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit cursing so much. And all of a sudden, the copy machine gets jammed, all of a sudden, you got to do this, because he's just like a sailor, you know what I'm saying? Well, that went by the wayside. Well, you know what? And all of us know this pain. I'm going to lose 10 pounds, you know, starting out this year. And about four weeks later, we've gained 10 pounds. <laughs> Resolutions don't work if they're rooted and grounded in your own will and your own power to change your life. They do not work. And so people are frustrated. And so we just kind of let things go in our life because it's just too hard. And I don't want to deal with the disappointment of a failure one more time. I'm just going to find this level of comfort in my life. And I'm just going to kind of exist there. 
We've got this, this, this real problem in our culture today that's looking for the easy way out. You know, just that, just that little innovative device or that just amazing little, you know, thing that's going to solve all of our problems. I was looking at a news article the other day, and this little pop-up thing, pop thing came on there, and this little heater that you, you plug into the, the outlet itself, and it, it's amazing. It heats the whole house, and it, uses, it doesn't use any electricity. Somehow, it's, it's so efficient, and blah, 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 and whatever, and millions of people are using this, and I went, wow, they've come up with something. Go to Amazon, look at it, 50 bucks, reviews, it don't work, it don't work, it don't work, it don't work, it won't stay plugged in, it's too heavy, it, is, it falls out of the You know, everything's like that in our world. The magic diet, the thing that's going to solve our problem, it's just going to be so amazing. Let me just say, there's no easy way out for change. There's no easy road out for change. It's got to be done through the kingdom, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he can do what needs to be done in our life. Jeremiah 13, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Rhetorical question, no, neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. In our humanness, in our humanity, there's a fallen nature. We are stamped, we are imprint, imprinted upon our soul, things that we cannot change without the power of God in our life. The environment that you grew up in makes you think a certain way and view life in a certain way, how you respond to life in a certain way. And it is, it is how you are shaped and how you are formed and how you are assembled. And no matter how, you know, many little self help conversations you get in with your, how many pep talks you give, it's not going to change anything. I know you don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you without God, no change occurs. Only Jesus can change me. Only Jesus can change you. Paul, back in Romans 7, I can't do it. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord, he knew that the only way to end the frustration and to move forward in his life is through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the letter to the Philippians, he said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens my me. It's only through him. John 15 and the pruning verses that I just gave you, he said, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Without me, you can do You can do nothing. I want you to get a hold of that. We know the scripture, but I don't know that we know it in practice. I can do nothing. It's amazing how much you cannot do in your life. Over the holidays, it's like, you know, okay, I'm putting a little weight on. Eat good today. I'm going to eat good today. Come on, somebody. Five o'clock, six o'clock. I'm not even hungry during the day. Praise God. Nighttime falls, you know, all of a sudden, pastor says, do you want another sandwich? Uh, yeah. Yeah, give me another one. No, and you don't need another sandwich, amen, or whatever we're eating. 
Then all of a sudden, somebody brought some food by, or somebody made a Sarah made some cookies, or somebody else. Well, I don't want to be rude, you know, and so I'm going to eat a little bit of that too. And all of a sudden, you know, one turns into two, two turns into three. Now I'm really wanting to eat. Now I'm eating this and that and something else. Then you lay it in bed at night and you go, Why did I do that? Just somebody, just somebody make me feel better. Does anybody do that? We all do it. Then you get up in the morning, you're all bloated. Get on the scale, you gain another two pounds. And most of the time we bail out right there and go, this ain't, this ain't working. That's how we do is how our life is. And our flesh is nothing good. And when our flesh is in control, and I can give many other examples that are a lot more serious, close to home, that why do we keep doing what we're doing only Jesus Christ can change us. We just sang, Jesus, you change everything. In Revelation, Jesus said, behold, I make all things new. If you need something new about your life, guess who's going to have to do it? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just stop right there. And let me just, let me just go into a place in a conversation that sometimes we may even think is sacrilegious and blasphemous or, you know, not respectful of the Lord or whatever, but I, I've been there. And I remember, you know, going down the interstate on vacations and seeing billboard after billboard, lonely, question mark, Jesus is the answer. Something about pornography. Full of lust or lusting, question mark, Jesus is the answer. And on and on it goes, Jesus is the answer. And as a young man, I, I'm looking at the billboards. I'm hearing the, sometimes what turns into just religious rhetoric and just saying the same old thing that's expected to be said. And Jesus, the answer, we sing songs about it. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus. I remember singing all that and going, you know what? That's not the practice that I'm seeing, Lord. I'm seeing people that are bound and struggling and this and that, and they give religion a go, and all of a sudden they're falling away. And Jesus, are you the answer? What's going on? Not, 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 let me back up. I know he's the answer by faith. I know that. I'm talking about the practical working out of changing people's lives. Hit me hard during evangelism, you know, and going from church to church, you know, you just think, you know, there's good here and they're, they're doing different over there. And that's wonderful over there. And, and it's the same old thing everywhere you go. People struggling, people sitting down and listening to sermons, singing songs, whether it be hymns or on a projector, shout to the Lord. And it's like, it's just people in their flesh struggling and not moving forward the way they need to in life and questioning God, why is that? And needing the answer, as maybe some of you do in your own life. Jesus is the answer. And so, Lord, what is, what is it? Why, why do people struggle? Why is there so much, why is so much un-Jesus in our lives? Why are we struggling along? Why are we doing this? What's happening, Lord? So this is what the Lord spoke to my heart that gave me peace. Number one, let me tell you why people aren't changed. It's because Jesus truly isn't Lord of their life. Jesus isn't. You got to start there. 
You got to start there. Many times I've got to, I've got to differentiate between people that are religious and people that are born again and born of the spirit. A lot of times we look at the world around us and we go, what's up? What's up? What's up? I'm not talking about critical fault finding spirit. Please don't misunderstand me today. I'm talking about legitimate uh, observing this question together. Why are we moving forward more in our lives? Many times Jesus isn't the Lord of their lives. Listen, Jesus isn't a tool just to grab a hold of and fix you when you got a problem and throw him back in the tool shed. And all of a sudden some project comes up and I say, boys, boys, where's my, did it yesterday, boys, where's those little flat bars? I, I had two blue ones and a yellow, where are they at? Boys, where? Where is dad's? I got a project. I need my tool. Yeah, ja- Josh, where's the jack? It's not in the barn where it belongs. Oh, it's in the back of my truck, dad. I'll get it to you. Okay. Jesus isn't a jack or a crowbar or a hammer or a drill that you just use when you got something you want to do in life and then throw him back in the tool shed. Jesus isn't just a medicine, right? That you go and take a little Jesus when you feel a little sick. Then when you feel, when you get to get over it, you know, you kind of put it back in the cabinet, back there in the, in the back part of the cabinet. And all of a sudden you got a little sniffle two years later and we go, baby, where's some Mucinex? Baby, where's some NyQuil? Where's it at? We have a family member who has any medicine you would want, Really? And she'll dispense it, and she will overly dispense it, right? And I love her to death. One time I was like, I got this trip to California, this, this uh, conference, and I'm feeling nauseated. I'm getting on this plane, and she said, here, I got something. And I took it, and literally, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to be funny or anything like that. I'm literally, I lost it. I'm doing like this in the seat. Baby says, straighten up, I can't. I'm drooling. Y'all want anything to drink? Stewardess, I was gone, man. I could never be on drugs. Saved our lost. Amen. I could never be on drugs. No way. Jesus isn't a mad when you got a little issue in your life. Jesus is the hospital. He is where you go in the emergency room. Sometimes it's a little more of a, you know, a, a drawn out procedure and you check yourself in. But he's the hospital, man. He is where you go to get all of your disease healed. The disease of sin, you get it healed. All of your wounds, everything that you need in life, you find it in the Holy Ghost hospital. Can I get a witness in the house today? He isn't the two. He's the factory where he builds you into something that is beautiful I want to tell you, it is where you abide in him, Jesus, the hospital, Jesus, the factory. He is healing me. He is developing me. He is where I must abide. Can I get a witness in the house? That's what it means to be born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is what? Say it with me. Is, if anyone is what? Not Christ passed on to my life. I'm in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When I come into Christ, I will be changed. 
by the power of God in my life. But listen to this. After we get saved, your change isn't finished. Your change isn't finished. We embark on a lifelong journey of change to become more and more like Christ. The Bible calls this process sanctification, being set apart more and more to Jesus, getting my life more and more like Christ. It's a lifelong, even the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, I have not yet attained, but I press toward forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward the upper call in Christ Jesus. It's an ongoing journey of change in our life. But how does that work? Sometimes you got to learn this the hard way, as I did, and I'm still trying to get a hold of this in my life. I know more than I did, and I'm applying more than I did years ago. But I, I, I just thought change came through, you know, even getting off in your, your prayer closet and just, just belly aching to the Lord and telling him, God, I need you to do this and do that, take this, work this and all these things. And God, I just need you to do it. And I just need you. I, 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 listen, I, I'd go on 40-day fast, 21-day fast. And I'm not, we need to fast. Trying to get God to do something and change something until one day, and it's more like a dawn than a lightning flash, you're missing the key ingredient to change in your life. How do, you, how do I change? Romans 12, 1, listen to this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. This is, this is an ongoing thing, a daily thing, to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the true way, true, this is truly the way to worship him offering myself to the Lord every day of my life. When I take a misstep and I get into Kevin, I back up and go, let's get back into Jesus. When I make a false step and I get, let's get back into Jesus. I'm, I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice in the middle of my greatest triumphs or my greatest tragedies. I am exalting God in my life. And if I'm failing to do so, I get back to that place and get, I, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. New King James says, but look at verse two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Listen, you're living every single day around the spirit of the world and how they think and how they address life. And you don't think you are, but you're being trained every day. And I don't want to alarm you today, but your kids... If they have any, and I'm not, I'm not a proponent of keeping our kids in seclusion somewhere. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I homeschool my kids, and I hope they homeschool the grandkids. I'm not going to, you know, voice that, that they have to do that, although you hear what I'm saying right now. And, and, but, but listen, if, if your kids are out there in conversation with other little kids, they don't care if they're five years or 15 years old, they're being trained in the ways of the world and they're hearing things and they're communicating back the world and they're, 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 they're conforming themselves to the world unless we're doing something different. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Don't fit into its form, but let God what? 
Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. There it is again. That's where it starts. Then you will know. You'll get your direction right. You'll get your ways right. And you'll get your destination right. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Do you know right now that no matter what the cost, no matter how many U-turns you got to take, that God's will is best in your life? Do you know that right now? It is good. It is pleasing. And it is perfect no matter how I got to get there. Does anybody in the house know that? If you don't know that, you're in trouble already. You've got to get home. That's where I belong. No matter what I got to do, I got to get home. So how does God, rather than belly aching in the prayer closet every day, now pray, pray, go pray, 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 pray. You got to pray. Don't misunderstand me. But let me tell you how you're changed. You're changed by God introducing his word into your mind and countering the lies of the enemy. You know, when we first started, somebody, I heard somebody say, you know, you know what somebody told me the other day? You're over there brainwashing people. I said, amen. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to brainwash people. I want to wash your brain. I want to wash my brain. We need our brain washed. Can I get an amen right there? We need a brainwash because our way and our thinking is causing us great, great problems. That word transform is where we get our word metamorphosis. It's a Greek word. Metamorphosis. You know, you know what metamorphosis is? What it's We can look up definitions. Change. Change. Change, change. Change. Should be changed. 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 A change in the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one. I should have put that on the screen. A change in the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one. A complete change, I saw. An extreme, profound change. Let me tell you how you are changed. You are changed by thinking different. Sometimes, you, you know, you communicate with people. Sometimes a family member, sometimes a friend, church member. Been doing this a long time. You talk to them, and you know, they're not in their right mind. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about they need to go to, you know, somewhere in a straitjacket. But they're not in their right mind. They're not thinking right. And you know it. I mean, you, you, you hear, even if they don't expound everything, you hear you're not in your right mind. You are not thinking right. And when people humble themselves and say, hey, I'm, I'm in Georgia, man. I need some help. I need to know the way back home. When they're humble and you can give the word, that's what counseling is all about when you counsel your friend. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're trying to wash their brain from the lies of the enemy and thoughts of the flesh and introduce the truth of God's word into their life. And all of a sudden when they change their mind and go, that's right, amen, let it be so in my life, you start seeing some change and heading in the right way, in the right direction in their life. But it begins by changing the way 
that you think Isaiah 55, 7 through 9, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Stop. Well, I ain't wicked. I'm not unrighteous. Sometimes our behavior can be wicked. That was wicked when Peter said, I don't even know him. I don't even know him. Blankety blank, I don't even know him. That was wicked. Peter wasn't wicked by nature, but he was manifesting wickedness in an unrighteous man. His thoughts, Peter, you got your head all screwed on crooked, man. You got to get your head screwed on straight. Elijah out there. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm in this cave. I'm going to die. Take me home, man. Listen, that's wicked. God's got a plan for you. You're in, you're in unrighteous way. You're not in your right mind. This is what God's word says. Get out of here. What are you doing here? You need to be on the way. You need to go. I've got plans for your life. You need to get on with this thing. Let him do what? Return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Stop right there. God loves you, and God loves me. You can tell him, hey, I'm in Georgia right now. He says, come on, it's okay. We'll get you back on the way. We'll get this figured out. Come on home. Come on, I'll forgive you. I'll get you back on the way. How many of you know God's a good God, and he loves us so much? But listen to what he says, and you know this verse. For my thoughts, why do you need to forsake the way you're thinking? Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. In my ways, and your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Think about that just a minute. As you're sitting there and your brain is filled with so many thoughts, maybe you think you're smart, maybe you think you're wise, but God, God's ways are as high as the earth, the heavens are above the earth. And God says this, I am the Lord, I change not. And if I want relationship with God, who's going to need to change? You've got to change the way you think. You have to change the way you think. See, that butterfly starts out in a caterpillar worm, if you will. And he goes through this process called the cocoon until he becomes this beautiful thing. And you know, really, there is the illustration of our entire life that way. You know, we got born again and we're going through sanctification and one day we're going to get glorified and be who we're called to be. But I want to say it's more like this, really, and that's true. It's more like this. It's like I reach a place in my life, I'm just a worm. I can't fly, I can't rise up above where I'm wanting to be. I'm not, I'm not too pretty. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing myself again and, and, and I don't like what I see. And no matter how I want to get through this thing and get to another level in my life where I can fly like I'm called to be, God brings me through this process of pain, hurt, pruning, chastening, refining in my life. And he puts me in that cocoon. He's like, I'm going nowhere. Nothing's going on in my life. I'm bored. What's happening with me? Blah, 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 blah. When what you don't realize is that you're being transformed. And if you will stay with the process and wait on God, all of a sudden you'll break out of that season in your life and you'll fly a little bit higher than you've ever flown before. 
But here's the problem. When God lets you fly a little while and enjoy yourself, all of a sudden you hit another season in your life when all of a sudden it ain't working out and you can't, and things just, and you don't feel good anymore and you feel like a worm again. Can I get a witness in the house? Some of you feel like a worm this morning. Amen. He said, you worm, Jacob. I'm for you, Jacob. I'm going to be with you, you worm, Jacob. I like that. And we start the process again over and over throughout our life from glory. We are changed from glory to glory. He lets me have a little glory, then he puts me through it again. And he brings me through this process and brings me up another level, and I got to go to grade five, then I got to go grade six and grade seven, and all of a sudden, each season, I'm flying a little bit higher and getting a little bit closer to God's thoughts that are high, high above where I'm at. And you can bail out if you would like to. But I want you to understand that God uses his word. God introduces. I don't want you to think about this as, a, as just a book, white pages, black letters, some red letters in it. This is his ways. This is his thoughts. And God is wanting to take that word and change the way that we're thinking Jesus changing his church right now. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And listen to this, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with what? With the washing of water by the word. How is Jesus preparing his church for heaven? He's washing you by the word that he might present her a glorious church, not having to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is using his word to wash us and change our minds. So rather than belly aching in the closet, get out. What does God's word say about my fear? What does God's word say about my depression? What does God's word say about my pride? What does God's word say about my need or my lack? What does God's word say? Take that word and present it to the Lord and watch change and transformation begin to happen in your life. But I don't want to do it that way. There's no other way to do it. God will mess, or Satan will mess with your intellect and mess with your emotions, and you'll think you're headed somewhere, and you're going in the right direction, and he'll bring some beautiful things in your life, and you think you're going nowhere, going somewhere, but all of a sudden, you've now entered Georgia. I've been there. I've seen it. I have had the opportunity of sitting down with people over the years who've been in church their whole life, and you, you sit down with them. This is no criticism. This is not be, being judgmental. We're all at different levels. We're all, I, I get it. I get all that. They have no word in them whatsoever. Now, I'm not talking about memorizing scriptures and verses and chapters. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about they cannot engage life. They never engage life based upon what God's word says. And you can be so religious and think you're going somewhere. And Jesus said in John 8, he said, listen to me, my, you, can't, you can't obey me, you can't hear me because my word has no place in you. My word has no place in you. And so all of a sudden when I realize that transformation comes 
By the renewing of my mind and changing my mind, all of a sudden, I'm not just reading my Bible every day because I got to check this off. I got to, this is a good thing that a Christian needs to do. I need to read my, no, no, no. I'm trying to renew my mind. I'm changing my mind. I don't come to church and just go, you know what? It's Sunday morning. Good morning. Good morning. Eat a donut and drink a cup of coffee with you. I am here to change my mind. And if you don't see it that way, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be like that guy that's been in church for 50 years, and you sit down with him, and he has no wisdom, no understanding, no telling how many messages he's heard. He has no word. And here's the very serious part about that. You know, the Bible says that God writes his word on your heart. That's why I'm not talking about, you know, some of you, we can't memorize a lot of scriptures like some people and spit out chapters and verses. But I'm going to tell you something. When you belong to Jesus and you're abiding in that hospital, in that factory, there's, there's something inside of you that's propelling you through life. And you, you're filtering everything that you encounter through what Jesus would say because it's written on your heart. And you know what? When there's nothing written on your heart, you don't know him. You don't know him. I don't care what emotions you felt. I don't care what thing you think you've, been, you know, there's no word. In John 15, Jesus said, you know, every branch of me that does not produce fruit, I'm going to cut it down. And he prunes every branch in me that does that it may bear more fruit. The next verse he said, and you're already clean, guys. <laughs> you're already pruned for this season in your life. There's no willful disobedience in your life. But, but had they arrived? Absolutely not. Were they going to go through some more stuff? Absolutely. More pruning is going to take place. But right now, you're clean. You're washed because of the word that I've spoken to you. I've been washing you with the word. You didn't realize it, Peter, John, and Mark, and the rest of you guys. But I've been washing you with the word all the, every day. Is there any word in my life Jesus said to those Jews who believe in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and, the, and you shall know the truth and the what? And the truth shall make you free. The truth will change you if you abide in me and my words abide in you. 2 Corinthians 3, for the, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's been messages I've heard, songs I've heard saying about this subject. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. I love that song. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there. I love that song. But most people don't understand what that means. Freedom, freedom, take my shoes off, freedom, just worship, freedom. Don't put anything on me, no legalism, no law, no nothing. I can just do what I want to do. There's I'm not under, yeah. That's not what it's talking about. Freedom is freedom from bondage to slavery, to, of slavery to sin. Freedom to obey God. Freedom to do what God, my heavenly father, wants me to do. I am free to follow Jesus. I am free from Satan's plan and purpose for my life, I am free. Let's keep reading. So all of us have, this, have had this veil removed and we can see before we're believers, we have a veil. We can't see Jesus. We can't see the glory. I've had this veil removed. The New King James, other translation, as in a mirror and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is a spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are 
changed into his glorious image from glory to glory. That's where we get that phrase from glory to glory. It's like this. I don't want to complicate it. Listen, it's like this. It's like a butterfly in that cocoon right there. And every now and then the Lord lets him see outside that cocoon. And he sees the beautiful monarch butterfly, the king of the butterfly, flying around in all of its freedom, in all of its beauty. But he can't get out of the cocoon. He just sees what he is being transformed into from glory to glory. This is where I'm going. Wow! Don't give up! Wow, don't give in. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep sowing. That's where I'm going. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's what he's saying. God gives us glimpses of glory in our life to know where we're going. Glimpses as if, as if we're seeing in a mirror what Jesus is trying to do in my life or is doing in my life. And it propels me forward to keep trusting, keep believing, keep Keep going, keep, when I'm in the cocoon and, and I'm, I'm just not going anywhere in life, I need another wife, I need another husband, I need another job, I need another this, I need to quit school, I need to, I need to go to school, I need to, I need to move states, I need to move, to, I need to, no, 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 you need to be quiet and stay in the cocoon and just see what you need to see as God wants to show you and wait on God to do what he needs to do in your life so that you can grow. That's why James says, let patience have its perfect work. Don't get out of the cocoon because you're going to miss. I said this morning, Alexa, what happens when you open the cocoon of a butterfly before it's actually ready? I found this on blah, 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 blah. Chances are it will die or its wings will not develop enough so that it can fly. Come on, somebody. You can bust out. And that's why you see people that have been in church year and they're just same old rut. You know what a rut is? It's a, it's a grave with both ends knocked out. It's the same old thing. You know what? I'm not talking about... The, the circumstances and the, and the you know, the, I've, I've got a breakthrough and everything's wonderful. I'm just talking about just having peace as a person, faith in God and living and abiding in the, in the peace of God. You know, I wish, I wish I could just go down this altar today. Honestly, listen to me. I know a few things about myself. You know a few things about yourself, some things you'd like to change, some weaknesses, things that need to come, things that need to go. Get on this altar. Oh, God this is that, and I need to change this, and I need you to do this in my life. And I get up, and all of a sudden, it's over with, and I don't have to do anything else. It's not like that. It's a continual walking it out, staying, abiding in Christ, staying in the cocoon seasons, dealing with the worm seasons so that you can have the butterfly seasons and lift it to another measure of glory, just like Lazarus. You know, and Lazarus is Jesus' friend. And, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dead. It's almost comical in Luke, John 11. Friend, you, your friend Lazarus is dead. And when he found out that Jesus, his, his friend Lazarus, that he loved, was dead, he stayed in the place two more days. Hey, why don't you run over there and help him? You love him. Yeah, but something, there's, there's, there's something that's got to happen right now so that God is glorified, that Jesus is glorified, that I'm glorified in his life. So he finally gets over there. You know, he, he's dead at this point. Martha comes up. Jesus, if you'd have been here, 
you know, Mary comes up, you know, Jesus, you know, if you'd have been here, he said, he's going he's to be, he's going to be raised. I'm going to change this. You know, you don't understand. He's stinking by now. He's been in the grave four days. There's no hope. How many of you know that there's never a situation, no matter how far it's gone, that Jesus can't change? Roll away the stone. I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I don't want to deal with the disappointment of this. Roll away the stone. I, I just can't, I can't cope with the failure again. Roll away the stone. That's my word to you. Let me at what's dead in your life that needs to change. They roll away the stone. Jesus just speaks a word, right? Lazarus, come forth. All of a sudden, this man comes hobbling out of the tomb. And the Bible said he is, he is wrapped in grave clothes from head to foot. He's alive on the inside. But he's still got a lot of stuff on his outside that belongs to the grave. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, loose him. Loose him. And so his friends gathered around him, the people that loved him, and started on from his face down to his feet one layer at a time. That's sanctification. Just one layer at a time getting removed from your life. Amen. I'm alive on the inside. Jesus made me alive. Amen. Praise God. But there's some stuff on my outside that still needs to go that belongs to the grave. Now here's the problem. Pride. Don't touch me. I'm good. No, everybody around you knows you're not good. And Jesus uses the church and people and your friend and your spouse and people around you to help you get the grave clothes off. But pride goes, you know what? I got this. Get away from me. Who do you think you are? You know what's going on in your life right now? Or. What? I need to change? Do you really think I need to change? You think that about me? Insecurity, fear, I just, no, I, I can't deal with it. Just leave, no, no. There's people like that. I want to tell you, as a child of God, we have to humble ourselves and go, you know what? Just help me, Jesus. Give the command, loose me. Use the people around me. Let me get vulnerable. Let me say I'm sorry. Let me get broken. Let me, Jesus, just help me get these things. Oh, yeah, I'm moving a little freer now. Oh, praise God, praise God. Y'all hurry up. No, it's a process. It takes a little time. Just be patient. Oh, I see a little clearer. The mirror that's darkly in my life, and I'm seeing this mirror darkly, I'm seeing a little bit better what I need to see in my life. It's a lifelong process. Stand to our feet, 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Read this with me. But we shall all be... Read it with me. But we shall all be... This is at the rapture. Next verse. In a moment, 
and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we, say it with me, and we shall be changed. And I could say this, forever we will be glorified. No more struggles, no more dealing with this body of death. But listen to me, but until then, let Jesus use the process of metamorphosis and transformation to make you more and more like Jesus throughout your life. Fly when he lets you fly, but when you're a worm season, just understand the purpose for this is for, is, is for me to be made more and more like him. I'm learning to trust. I'm learning to have faith. I'm learning not to bail out. I'm learning that no matter what, God is going to see me through. Can I get a witness? Ecclesiastes 3.11. Team, come on up. He has made everything beautiful. He has made everything beautiful in it's time. Every ugly thing about you will be made beautiful in time. Isn't that good? He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts. There's something in you that just wants to be, to put off this corruption and put on incorruption. There's something in you that's grieving and groaning to be more, to not, not to, be, to, to be further clothed in the glory of Jesus. All of us feel that. Everybody in the room feels that that's born again. He's put eternity in your hearts, and there's something beckoning you to go home, to go home, to go home, to go home. But here's the problem except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. How are you going to get there? That's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. I don't know I don't, and I know nothing that's better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift of God. And there is a settling to me about that scripture. Satan just wants me to beat myself up. He wants you to beat yourself up, to think all these, no way out. You're not going to overcome. You're not going to ever be happy. You're not going to, all these things, you're not doing it right. You're messing up again. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus wants to get us on the way and he wants to help us. And he's going to make everything beautiful in its time. Amen. He's put eternity in my heart. What about you? This life is not, it's not my home. Heaven's my home. And there are things that happen probably in our lives daily that you do not understand and you do not know how he's going to get you out of it. But trust me, God knows what he's doing. Amen. In every cocoon season in your life, God knows what he's doing. When you feel like a worm, run to the cross. Amen. Let him transform you. And he's going to make every situation beautiful in time. How many of you believe that today? I want to sing a little bit of this song before we leave out today. Let's do, let's do that last song, please. And if you say, Pastor Kevin, I know. Just think a minute. 
There's some things that are robbing my peace about my life that I know I need change. I know I need to change. I'm not even talking about your circumstance. I'm talking about you. How you handle circumstances. How you deal with things in life. I need to grow. I need to change. I need to be teaching other people this stuff. But I'm still having to go back and take the class again. And I want to move on from this place. I want to change. I want to, I want to be used of you. I want to, I want to comply to your plan. I want to comply to the cocoon. I want you to do what you need to do in my life. In 2023, I do, listen to me, I do not want to look back when something should have changed in my life and it did not change. I want him to dig me up, fertilize me so that I can bear more fruit. I want to prune, go through painful seasons in my life. I just want to be more and more like Jesus in 2023. If that's your prayer today, from your heart, come and worship and present yourself before the Lord. As Eagle Heights Community Church, let's present ourselves before the Lord. Ask Him to change our pride.
another right, right now. The anointing of change in our lives. Come on, right now. Speak it over me. Speak it over your spouse. Speak it over one another. Jesus, you are changing everything. And I know there's some things i got to grapple with. I know there's some things that's going to be a process. But right now, I know. Listen, when I fall down, I'm at least falling forward. I fall down, but I'm at least falling forward. I'm going somewhere. You're doing something in my life. You're transforming me more and more like you, Jesus. How many of you can believe that today? Let's make 2023 a year of change. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.